The reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning at verse 17, and we're reading to verse 22. Hebrews 11, uh, verses 17 to verse 22. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, great to have Kip uh, reading that for us. Uh, do keep the passage open, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're just going to focus in on that bit about Abraham. We can't cover it all. There's so much to feed on just in that bit. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word, and we pray that by your spirit you would teach us now. Help us to learn from Abraham and to learn how to imitate his faith. Amen. Well, in the verses in Hebrews and in the verses in Genesis, it talks about God testing Abraham. And actually what we see in the book of Hebrews is the writer says, actually, that should be our expectation, that if you're a Christian, that you're going to face testings. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 about Jesus, that he can sympathize with us. Uh, in our weakness, because uh, he is one who had been tempted or tested, same word, in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Just as we are. See, that's saying we're going to be tested too. And the question is, how do we go through the tests of this life like Abraham, he is being held up here as being uh, a hero of the faith, one of the faith honours list. How do we go through our tests, learning from Abraham so that we go through them and succeed through them? Well, we're going to ask four questions to help us answer that. The first is, uh, why does God test us? Then what is a test? Third, how can we pass the test? And fourth, which test will we never have to take? So, first off. Why does God test us? Well, we know, don't we, that there are different kinds of tests. I mean, they're the kind of tests that we're all going to have to do soon. Uh, probably, we're, maybe some have already been doing them. The, the COVID tests, where you shove the thing down your throat, shove it up your nose, and then it tells you whether you've got COVID or not. But it's a, it's a yes, no, you've either got it or you haven't. Or we know of the kind of tests 
well, maybe a bit like the Total Wipeout course, which is, uh, if you've seen it on telly, it's an extreme obstacle course which most can't get round. And it's sort of throwing really difficult things at you and saying, have you got it or have you not? Can you do it? Can't you? And if we think that God tests us in those kind of ways, then we'll be discouraged and we'll think, well, this life is just full of tricks and trials and tests that God hurls at us dispassionately or, or maybe even slightly mean kind of way to see whether we can cope. I was helped by a verse in uh, Psalm 66 verse 10, which says this, For you, O God, tested us, you refined us like silver. Now, you need to remember in Hebrew, poetry, the way they do things is in parallels. So the first half of the verse and the second half relate to each other. So how does God test us? It says, you refined us like silver. Now, what happens when you refine silver? Well, you take it and you put it through the heat. And you put it through the heat to get rid of the rubbish and to purify it. So yes, it tests its genuineness, but, but it improves it. It purifies it. And that's what God's doing when he tests us in this life. It is not mean. It is not to trick us. It is to purify us, to purify our faith. So we need to know when God tests us, when tests come along, that they are good and that God is good in doing them. So that's why God tests us. But second, what makes a test? Well, so let's think about the test that Abraham had to go through. What was his test? Well, it was that God commanded him to sacrifice his son. And that's pretty shocking, isn't it? When you read that, you might well be thinking, what is going on here? That God could command a father to kill his son, to sacrifice him. But of course, we've got to remember, this is not the first thing God says to Abraham. It's not like this is the first thing ever Abraham has heard from God. Go sacrifice your son. And this is the point, actually, that Hebrews picks up on and, and it makes a big deal out of. And I think this really helps us. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. See, we need to understand, God had made promises to Abraham. He'd said to Abraham, you're going to have children, which seemed crazy to Abraham because he was very old, had no children, and he and his wife were beyond the age of bearing children. But God said, no, you're going to have children and they're going to have children. And you're going to have so many descendants. They'll be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. That's how numerous they're going to be. And Abraham and Sarah, well, after a while, still not having children, they decided, well, maybe God needs a hand. So they uh, decided Abraham should have children with Sarah's servant, Hagar. Uh, and she bore him a son. And actually, that was a complete disaster in lots of ways. But God said, no, that's not going to be the one through whom the promise is going to come. It's going to be a son Sarah will bear for you. And when Isaac is born, God says, this is the child. This is the one who is going to be the one who fulfills my promises. Through whom you're going to have so many descendants you can't count them. It's through him. That's Genesis chapter 21. That's the promise. Genesis 22. Go sacrifice Isaac. 
You see, God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, do you trust me? I've made this promise to you. And this is why Abraham is unique in this situation. God is not going to call anyone else, any of us, to sacrifice our children. But he's saying to Abraham, here's my promise. Now, here's my command. And this is what a test is. A test comes when God's promises and God's commands feel like they clash, feel like they don't go together. So, for instance, for us, this is when we find it the greatest test, isn't it? We know that God's promise is if we come to Jesus, we are his children. And that through Jesus, we can have living water that is so thirst quenching for our soul, we will never thirst again. And that we will have life in all its fullness. That's God's promise to you if you come to Jesus. But yet sometimes God's commands feel like they take you in exactly the opposite direction. That they're going to take you away from fullness of life. So, uh, what kind of commands? Well, the ones that, are, that, that often people think of are going to be things like God's commands about no sex before marriage, or um, that homosexual practice is wrong. Um, but there are others as well, aren't there? Like uh, the way we use our language, that we shouldn't talk like others do, and that we've got to speak the truth even when that's hard. Now, th those things, and in so many other ways, we can feel like, actually, God, if I'm going to obey your commands, it's not going to be life in all its fullness. It's going to be life in far less than its fullness. It's going to feel restrictive. It's going to feel, well, it might even feel like a bit of a death to obey God's commands. Those are the tests that we face. This is the key. This is what Abraham faced. That God's promise and God's commands felt like they were contradictory, felt like they were going against each other. And the question is, are you going to obey God's commands even when it feels like they contradict God's promises? We all face these difficulties, these tests. Unless that is, of course, we, we always get out from under them. Which sometimes people do. Because sometimes people will say, well, God would never put me in that position. He'd never command me to do things that I don't want to do. And therefore, when I read of those things in the Bible, it, they, they must be wrong. It, it, they can't be right. But of course, if we're always saying of God, God could never contradict me. God could never uh, ask me to do things or command me to do things that I disagree with. Then actually we end up with a God that we're making up that isn't the God of the Bible, but he's actually a God who is very much like a mirror because he just reflects what I think and what I think is right and wrong. Now, if you can have a relationship with the real God, the God of the universe, he's got to be able to contradict you. He's got to be able to command you to do things where you go, actually, I, I don't agree with that. And the challenge, the test is, will you obey God's commands anyway? So, that's what makes a test. It's when God's promises and God's commands feel like they contradict each other. How do we pass the test? Well, we need to ask, how did Abraham pass the test? Because he does pass the test, doesn't he? With flying colours. God says, go sacrifice your son, and he goes to do it. I mean, it actually says in Genesis 22, he gets up early the next morning to go and do it. He's so keen to obey God, he sets the alarms early to go and sacrifice his son. 
And maybe that should shock us too. I mean, if it's shocking that God commands a man to go sacrifice his son, maybe it should be equally shocking that Abraham goes, yep, I'm going to go do that. How did he do it? How did he trust God in that way? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. He reasons. Reasons that God could raise the dead. He doesn't say he would. It's not like Abraham is saying, oh, this will definitely be the way God does it. No, he says, well, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he could raise the dead. And so I'll go. I'll obey God, even though it feels like it contradicts his promise. And how do we know from Genesis 22 that that's what he was thinking? Well, uh, obviously Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, there's divine inspiration there. But, um, but in Genesis 22, there's a hint of it. After Abraham has gone and uh, gone towards the area where the mountain is with servants and with his son and with a donkey, he leaves the servants with a donkey and he, he says to them, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. He's saying, we're, we're going to go and we will come back. He's saying, I, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go and obey God. And somehow we're both going to come back because this is the child of the promise. And I trust that God could even raise the dead. Now, that kind of trust, we need to realize, doesn't come about in an instant. It's not like this was easy for Abraham. Actually, as you read through Genesis up to this point, there is a whole trail of failures from Abraham. You see, earlier on, God has said to Abraham, uh, when he said that he would have many descendants, he also says to Abraham, um, basically, I'll fight for you. He says, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. In other words, I'm on your side, Abraham. I, I, no one can come up against you. It's a bit like maybe a flippant example, a bit a bit like the genie in the film Aladdin, uh, that in the song, You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me, he says, you've got some power in your corner now, some heavy ammunition in your camp. All you've got to do is rub the lamp. Well, Abraham doesn't even have to rub the lamp. God's just said, I'm on your side. You've got power in your corner. I'm going to fight for you. And so what does Abraham do when he goes to a new area? He gets frightened. He gets frightened because he thinks, well, his wife is obviously quite attractive even though she's quite elderly because uh, he thinks that people might kill him in order to take his wife Sarah so he says to Sarah when we go to this new area tell people that I'm your brother that's how frightened he is and it all goes horribly but God rescues them out of it what does Abraham do later on when coming to another new area he does exactly the same thing he says Sarah say that you're my sister and she does, and it goes horribly, and God rescues them from it. But Abraham, time and again, doesn't trust God's promises. You see, he's had lots of tests so far, and he's failed quite a few of them. And you know, all the way along in those tests, God has been refining faith. Because as he's failed the tests, he's seen, actually, when I disobey God, when I go against God, it doesn't go well. But when I trust God, it does. Somehow it does. And we need to learn this too. Just as Abraham had to and Isaac did and Jacob did, we've got to learn 
to trust God. And often it's through failures and through successes, but it's through many tests that God trains us and teaches us and refines us. And often we go through smaller tests in order to prepare us for bigger ones. And so Abraham here is in this wonderful position of trusting God. And he does so through reasoning. And we can do it as well, because it is reasonable to trust God. We trust others, don't we? We trust medics. We trust people who are telling us it's okay to go take the vaccine and uh, it's good to wear masks and to keep two meters distance. And we trust those people. We do what they're saying. God is of infinitely greater wisdom and love. And therefore, when he commands us to do things, even though they may feel like they are against his promises, even though they may feel like they're heading to a death, we can trust God for a resurrection. We can trust God to keep his promises. It is a reasonable thing to do. Well, we've got one last question, and that is, which test will we never have to take? There is a test that thankfully, if you're a Christian, you will never have to take. But our problem is that sometimes we treat our tests in this life, our trials, our difficulties, as if they are that test. Let me explain. So many things in this passage, uh, and in Genesis 22 particularly, point us forward to Jesus's sacrifice. So Isaac is described as being Abraham's only son whom he loves. Well, that is how Jesus is described. Uh, this, temp this mount where the sacrifice takes place, it actually becomes the temple mount in, in later on, and Jesus is sacrificed near there, crucified near there. Isaac carries the wood up the mountain. Jesus carries the wood of the cross up to where he will be sacrificed. But of course, there's one major difference, isn't there? Isaac is laid out, bound, and Abraham takes the knife and is about to sacrifice his son when a voice from heaven calls out to stop him and shows him a ram that he is to take to kill in place of his son. But when Jesus goes up, as the nails are about to be banged into his hands and his feet, no voice from heaven comes. Jesus is killed, and no ram is pointed to to substitute for Jesus. Why not? Because Jesus is the ram. As John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Lamb. He is our substitute. He dies in our place, taking our sin, so that any who will come to him can become children of God. That's how we get in with God, through Jesus passing that test that we could never pass ourselves. But our problem is, sometimes we think of our tests in this life as being kind of like that test. So we think, if we failed, we think, well, maybe that's it. Maybe I can't be a child of God anymore because I've failed. Maybe the doors of heaven are now shut and bolted, and I could never get in. But wonderfully, that test, the test which determines whether we can be children of God or not, 
is not for us to face, but for Jesus to face. And he passed that test. He obeyed his father to the end, to death. And so we can bring our failures to the cross of Jesus, ask for forgiveness and rejoice that he passed the test for us. And so when we go into tests and trials, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, you go into them as a child of God, knowing that the tests are not tests of, am I still going to be a child of God by the end of this, but tests of refining faith. And that your father is bringing those tests because he loves you, not to trick you. And so wonderfully, that test, if you're a Christian, you will never have to face. So don't make your trials into that test. Oh, it does matter that we are obedient to Jesus and that we keep going through to the end, but our failures we can bring to the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray please for us. Father, as we go through tests, Father, we pray for those in our church family now who are currently going through tests, who are struggling. Father, please would you help them to reason as Abraham did, to trust you, to obey your commands, even when it feels like that might be a death. Father, to trust you and to obey your commands and to trust that you will keep your promises. Father, please, would you help us also to look to the cross of Jesus and to rejoice that he passed the test that we couldn't pass. And to rejoice that through him and through him alone, we can become children of God. Amen.